You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today we're talking about brand saturation strategies. How do you land your company on the first page of search results? Can these be applied to individuals in sales or marketers building a brand? And how might you be able to leverage reviews to drive that brand recognition? To help us, we have with us Chris Dickey, founder and CEO of Visibly, a company focused on aiding companies to manage their brand visibility in search. Chris, thank you for taking the time and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Chad. All right. So for those that are tuning in, I'm going to give you a little bit of a heads up. We're using a new platform, Riverside.fm, that my production team at Sweetfish Media has convinced me I know how to use and can be effective with. So any screw-ups are not my fault. I'm just going to put that at Sweetfish's door, give them hopefully an opportunity to step up. And, and if not, you know, hey, don't, don't jump into new tech in the middle of a pandemic. So Chris, before we get started... I always like to know now for our audience, you're in, we were talking about this before we started, you're in, you're in Jackson Hall, Wyoming, which is probably one of the most beautiful places on the planet, in my opinion. So I think I might have an idea of what this answer will be, but always like to know something that you are passionate about outside of work, that those who know you largely from work or from your digital brand may be surprised to learn. Yeah, well, lots of things I'm passionate about. You are probably correct in assuming that I enjoy the mountains. That's what we have here. We have really big ones. Uh, <laughs> my favorite, my favorite place to be when I'm not in the office is, you know, is up in those mountains. I see. I've skied actually most of the peaks in the Tetons. I've also climbed most of the peaks in the Tetons. So wow, it's summer or winter doesn't matter to me. <laughs> nice. The Tetons are impressive. In fact, I have I have a picture of. We rode our motorcycle. Crew of us went through our motorcycles and took pictures in front of the Tetons. They're very jagged. They look very jagged. Yeah. So how in the hell do you climb the bottom of them? They just, (laughs) well, it's just walk up them, you know, there's like ropes involved, but uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Very cool. Yeah. I'm, uh, that's one thing I've never been, I think comfortable enough to do is uh, strap myself to ropes and climb a rock. I don't think it's because I (laughs) think I'll fall. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's one of those things. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe it's my natural skepticism about the quality of the There's only one rule to, uh, to uh, climbing and that is don't fall. Every other rule is to, uh, is to, is to make sure that, you know, in case you break rule number one, but the only rule is don't fall. Don't fall. I love it. All right. Perfect. So, all right, let's talk about building brand strategies. And this is, has become, continues to evolve into a pretty complex topic, given the myriad of digital properties and outlets and avenues. It's become more than just sitting around a room going, hey, if our company was going to be a car, what kind of car would it be? I've sat back in the day, sat through those brand conversations. So, for those that may not, you know, have a full understanding of the context of everything that goes into it, what should a company, when they think about the brand strategy, what all goes into that? What should they be considering? Oh my God! So, <laughs> we'll so start with a big question. Right? Like that's, yeah, you know, I I think, you know, I've I've played roles in all different pieces of kind of brand brand strategy. I I think that there's a lot of energy put into the creative side of it, and that is to your point, what kind of car are we? is a lot less strategy or at least it's, it's more challenging to do the distribution side of it how do we actually reach a consumer how do we get them to click how do we get that conversion 
there is, the, I think, fortunately, that's that's where all of the technology is kind of going in the Martech space, is how do we actually solicit that stuff? But it's just less fun to work on than you know, branding. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but I, I think that's, that is ultimately where, you know, where the rubber hits the road for every single brand is getting in front of the right customer. Okay. And so you hit on a really important topic, the, the least fun or less fun side of it, right? So back in the day, I can remember, because I've spent the first part of my career in marketing, I remember SEO, to say there's a pain in the butt was a little bit of an understatement, right? But <laughs> now it seems like showing up first on those search result pages, it's almost like black magic, right? It's almost, it, there's so much that goes into it that I think for many people, it's overwhelming. I know as an individual running a company, it sometimes short circuits my brain. And so any way you can provide some context of what goes on under the covers to generate those search rankings and, and what is it that, that people have to be aware of in terms of how they're prioritized, how they're listed, things that just they have to understand from a contextual standpoint. Yeah. So, you know, just, just to kind of set the table here, we're talking about search engine marketing. The reason why I love search and, and the way that the reason I'm involved in search is because search delivers this incredibly high quality customer over and over and over and over again. There's people, adults on average use Google three times a day. It's an incredibly central piece to our lives. We have incredibly predictable click behavior if we don't know what we're looking for. So I like to call those non-branded searches or, or, or informational searches. And so basically, if, if we're open to suggestion, we're, we're looking for something, you basically have the top half of the screen to capture your customer. And there's a ton of them there. And they're all highly qualified. They're all looking for exactly the product or service that you have to, 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 to provide because they already asked that question, right? So that's why, just to set the tip, that's why search is so unique and so special for marketers. But to your point, Chad, it's incredibly challenging to be at the top of the half of that screen. <laughs> you can buy your way onto that page in advertising. A high-performing ad or, or just a well-performing ad in, in the top of search for a non-branded search query does around 2% of the traffic on the page. That means 98% of those customers are finding their answers somewhere else. So sure, you can be there, you can pay through the nose to be there, and people do because they have to, but really where all the, where all the traffic goes, up to 20 to 30% of that traffic is on that first organic link. And those first five organic links receive almost 70% of all the traffic. So you really need to be right there. And for companies that are able to deploy SEO strategies that get them there, fantastic. I mean, Amazon's one of them you know, Nike's one of them, they are so dominant. They're so Olympic podium level. It's almost, it's almost impossible to knock them off. I mean, almost impossible. Like it, it which is called impossible. <laughs> um, and that is because, you know, Google looks at a lot of different things, not just Google, but other search engines as well. But the, one of the biggest ones is, is how many inbound links you have coming into your site. And it's called in the SEO community backlinks. There's lots of different kinds of backlinks, but fundamentally, there's it's a it's a kind of a game of like social strategy. Like all these other sites think you're important, Google recognizes that, then they elevate you. Do you really think you're going to get more backlinks than than Amazon? That's a good question. Probably not. So. <laughs> It'd be amazing if you could pull that off, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this is why I think it's worth thinking about other strategies outside of advertising and outside of SEO for the rest of us that need to attract and, and reach customers on that on that very limited real estate. 
Yeah, and so that you said something really interesting. That the the top five, I don't remember the exact stat, top five organic results Links. get seventy yeah. some percent of the traffic or something. Interestingly enough, when I mean I'm I'm probably one of those adults that skews the skews the stats because I'm using Google all the time uh, throughout the day. But I've also noticed an interesting habit, and I just became aware that I was actually doing it a couple of weeks ago. And if I search for something, my searches are typically pretty specific. And when it comes up, there's usually that first ad or there's two ads at the top. And I never click on them. I never click on the ads. I always scroll down to the to the ones below it. And nine times out of 10, eight times out of 10, that f- person who paid for that ad is also the first organic mm. result. And I know if I mm. click on that ad, then there's costs involved and stuff like that. Well, there's like certainly that. a strategy to be had that you... So as an advertiser, you don't pay for the ad unless someone clicks on it. And so sometimes people will say, well, it's worth just being there because we're reinforcing the brand. Gotcha. Everybody okay. sees those top positions. And so even if we're not getting the click, we want people to know that we exist. And that's that's a legitimate strategy. Yep. Okay. All right. And so when we're not, when we're when we're trying to, when we finally realize we're not going to beat Amazon and, and, the, and we, the tissues are dried out and everybody understands we're not going to beat Amazon <laughs> at this game. Is there, you know, the reviews, we're hearing a lot about review sites and and reviews and and things like that, third-party sites. So how do they play into the equation? And and are there some that are more critical than others? Yeah, well, not really. I mean, like, I think it really is very bespoke to every single category or um, industry or subject that you're looking for because there are specialists in these subjects, right? And Google recognizes their their authority and then they they reward them. The challenge is monitoring it on a large on a, on a you know on a large basis because there's so many iterations of of keywords and how someone might type in a question and you you switch the name around a few times and then all of a sudden you get a different search result. And also you get a different search result if you're on a mobile device or a desktop because they assume things about your behavior if you're on your mobile device. So, you know, each one of these places, you're going to literally see different things. And what's what's interesting is the consumer journey is just never as linear as as we wish it was, right? Like we don't, we, people don't just see something and they're like, oh, I'm going to buy that. And then they right. go right through and they buy it. It's more like, oh, like I have this question, like maybe I'm, I'm looking to get uh, some new granite countertops or something new. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to look and look up and see a question between how does quartz compare to granite? And that's, and that, that kind of like very top of the funnel search is going to start someone's buying journey. They don't even know what kind of product they want, but they know they need a new countertop, right? <laughs> so they start learning about the countertop at that point. It's it's imperative that brands reach them there. Start right as they start to think about it. Yeah, yeah. And then the next question is, then they might go a little further down the funnel and they're like, okay, I actually really want a quartz countertop. Where would I buy a quartz countertop? And now you have another set of you know results show up. These are much more transactional in, in nature. People who are selling quartz countertops rather than teaching you about them. You still want to be there. And then that's, so this is, these are all these kind of stages in that buying journey. And they, each one of them plays out in search. And I think each one of them is in an incredibly important place for a brand to reach. And the more reinforcement you have along that buying journey, the more likely you are to win the sale, right? Absolutely. And this is something that it's not just me coming up with this. Um, Amazon, or not Amazon, HubSpot wrote, wrote a whole blog series um, about this uh, last year. They they call it the surround sound strategy. And effectively, buying a CRM is a big purchase. 
and they know that there's a lot of competition out there. They know that their website, while HubSpot ranks really, really well in search, there's still nine or 10 other options on the page for people to look at. Right. So what they realize is that they need to be in as many as many of those search results as they possibly can be. Because there's all these listicles and there's all these roundups about the best CRMs. They need to be everywhere someone looks across a very large swath of keywords for them to maintain their market position. And so they deployed the same strategy. They call it surround sound. And the idea is, is that like you can't avoid it. You're getting you're getting showered with HubSpot everywhere you're looking for a CRM. And it's a very deliberate strategy that that they deploy that basically takes their brand presence beyond their own website, beyond their own advertising, and is leveraging these third parties to make sure that they are very dominant. Interesting. And so, I mean, it's a level of complexity. First, you have to understand the customer journey, right? That first, the first time somebody will just go with the countertop thing. The first time somebody thinks, do I want quartz or do I want granite? And in business, it's the same thing. People don't search necessarily for the solution. They search for the information, right? We we see them, we see them doing the searches and, and doing the research to kind of fuel the thought process, so to speak. And that's, that can be a really ethereal part of the revenue funnel. It can be very difficult to know, you know, what are they going to be searching for? Because if if you think about it from a business standpoint, you, you're so close to your own solution, you know how you'd search for it, but that isn't necessarily how your customer or potential customer is going to search for it. Are there strategies and ways that people can think in advance or kind of get outside of their own own tree house to see the forest, so to speak? I think I screwed that one up really bad, that analogy. But you know what I mean. How do, how do I, how do I, I, I step back? How do it. I step back? <laughs> yes. I, so, you know, the, the problem with search is that it's a multi-channel playground. And a lot of different pieces of um, any marketing department are going to be responsible for various performance at, you know, attributes in search. But unfortunately, I... Marketing departments, they're so siloed. People work in their silos and they don't care about how the other teams are doing. But you cannot approach search in that way. If you want to be dominant, if you want to be ubiquitous, your teams have to get aligned. And so you have to realize that you have to be on those those e-commerce product pages that are that are surfacing. And, and how do your e-commerce teams optimize for those product pages that are surfacing? Your PR teams have to be reaching the bloggers that are driving that that top of funnel awareness. So when you're saying quartz versus versus um, granite, that's going to be an informational keyword, right? Like people aren't looking to buy at that point; they're looking to learn, and that plays really well into the PR teams. PR teams, I guarantee, aren't thinking about this, <laughs> but. If they knew that this was a that, that that this was important, and they knew that these people were driving a ton of customer consideration, then they could do it. So that's that's part of it. And so you know, I guess to tie it into kind of what I do is, I actually come from a PR background. Um, I, I own a PR agency. We started realizing years ago that our most performant PR hits weren't the ones that were in the most 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 prestigious publications. They were the ones that were showing up at the top of search and they were driving the most traffic and the most affiliate, you know, revenue and, and so on and so forth. And we just asked ourselves the question, how do we do more of this? And it led us down this rabbit hole of really understanding how the consumer journey plays out in search and about how there's so many more responsibilities than just the SEO team. 
for interesting. And it's, I mean, it's a complex web, right? It's a complex web. You've got even, even just one topic as, as that should sound to many, unless it makes them cringe and, and freak out like it does me. Think about the search results in the SEO, like that just seems overwhelming, but there's so many silos that play into this, especially from a business standpoint. Now, when we talk about doing this, you said HubSpot calls it the surround sound strategy or, or the, uh, I think when we were talking at one point, it's about managing more real estate, so to speak, right? Yeah. So yeah. I'm always curious, there are, there are places that shows up in search, but I'm curious how like sites like Quora and others or review sites play into that as well are they in this mathematical morass that is behind the scenes are they somehow weighted heavier or do they have more impact because it is other potential customers providing insights is there something that somehow gives that a little bit more weight because it's less biased than what maybe marketing from the source may seem like or maybe perceived to be <laughs> good question what i can tell you is you know what what we've done at, at, at Visibly, um, the software company that I work at, we've basically mapped out in a high degree of granularity where people click on the page. And this is where they click when there's not um, an intention of where to go. So what, what, you know, what, you know, what is not a navigational search. And so if they're open to whatever, they're, they're like, they're open to learning and, and, they, and they have no agenda. And this is, this is on average where everyone's going to click. And so what we know is how many, how frequently people click on people also ask. And that's a lot of times where Quora shows up. And we also know the frequency of how many times people click on, on, on um, local packs, which is like the maps that you see when you're trying to go someplace. And so we have this good, really good data on where people are navigating and, and what their click behavior looks like in search. And so I would say that in general, people navigate toward the organic links those that is just i think that's a, something that's wired from the early days of the internet this is that the, these are the most important things on the page i don't know but they 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 solicit the most clicks by a long shot unless it's like a map or something like that and then in which case those maps do really really well and then there's a lot of what you call searches that are called called um no click searches and there are people who are looking for an answer that does not require them to click on anything and Google's trying to optimize for these searches and yep. so they they're like answer boxes and knowledge panels and things like that so if Google can try to answer your question without soliciting a click it's a better user experience for you and it's better for Google because it means that you never leave their platform <laughs> well but yeah but don't they make their money off of ads so if I'm not if they're answering yeah, the question no, and I don't go like, anywhere else well, it's it's all about becoming central to your life, really. And so the more useful Google can become to you, the that means that you'll just keep coming back to it. So the fact that there's three, you know, on every adult's checking Google three times a day, that's exactly where they want us. They got it. They got us exactly where they want us. Have you seen the, and I know Google is not necessarily the social dilemma, but have you seen the social dilemma? Have you seen the movie, the social dilemma? On yeah, Netflix? I have. Yeah. Well, yeah. man, talk about freaking me out. I'll tell and, you, I, I actually divested of all my Facebook holdings after that movie. Did you really? I, I can understand why. I can understand why. I mean, it's really, there was a book, I can't remember if it was mentioned in the, in the movie or not, called The Surveillance Economy, that where we've basically become the product that, that takes that social dilemma to a whole nother level. So oh, if, you yeah. were, if anybody mean, it, listening... It's 100% true. I mean, everyone listening to this knows it. Like, if you're not paying for it, you, that's because you are the product. Yeah, 
and you have yeah. to be okay with that. Now I remember I'm, we're totally off track here, but hey, that's what happens. So I I remember back in the day when I was working for and running sales and marketing teams for digital agencies, we had to put a great deal of effort to convince the people that we were building these experiences for to allow the location to be scraped. So they knew, so I could provide location-based data. Now, maybe I'm dating myself, but we're going back 10, 15 years when we started this. And there were people who said, there is no way anybody will ever, ever let you know where they are through their phone. And now fast forward, people get pissed. If I pull up, if I ask something and something doesn't give me a, like an answer, where's the closest pizza joint to where I'm standing, then then they're irritated because it hits that user experience thing. They'll go someplace you know, I, else. I think there's a genuine usefulness. You know, honestly, like yes, we're trying to sell you stuff, but you know, Google has provided a genuinely useful set of tools, and they still have to make money off those tools. So they can't. They have to sell access to you. But like you know. Same thing with all this stuff, you know, and I think that's the marketer's dilemma is how do you be useful, not obnoxious? And and ultimately, marketers that can be useful, like for instance, and now we're way off topic, but people who are getting emails in their inbox, like if you're getting an email from say your favorite, one of your favorite clothing companies and they know your clothing size and they know that you look and, and they say, hey, there's a sale on these things today. We thought you'd be interested. Oh, cool. I appreciate that. You know, but if it's like not targeted <laughs> and it has nothing to do with you, then you're like, leave me alone. So Yeah, absolutely. Well, now I'm starting to get random texts, random texts that are trying to, to market to me things that are not safe for work to talk about. And I don't know why I'm getting those, but I'm, they show up on my phone all the time. It's really invasive and annoying. And there's no way in hell I'm clicking on a link from somebody I don't know. I'm smart enough to know. That could cause some seriously bad things to happen. Yeah, don't do that. Right? All right, so let's, let's see if I can bring us back. So let's talk about Visibly for a second. How did we end up with this solution, with this company, right? Where, what, tell us about the journey. How did we get to CEO and founder of Visibly? Yeah, so the journey really came from, um, I'm a PR professional. What, you know, what we do all day long is we leverage third-party endorsements on behalf of our clients, and we get other people to talk about our stuff. That's what we do. That's what PR does. It was it was a natural progression to see search in the same way. Let's let's leverage other people to talk about our stuff. Let's let's these guys are showing up at the first page of search. Let's get them to talk about our brand because we can't get there. That's a that's a natural thing for a PR person to think about. Apparently, no one else in the world thinks about that. <laughs> 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 so you know, it, as we were as we were kind of going down this this path with it, you know, with the agency we realized that there were no tools to measure what we were doing. And, and I had a very simple question at the time. And the question was, if I'm a brand, where do I exist in search? And nobody could answer that question. They could say, I'll tell you where your website exists. I'll tell you where your ads exist. But I can't tell you where your brand exists because that requires third-party measurement. And that doesn't, there's no, there, there's no kind of solution intact for that. And so after I kind of realized that was truly not existent in the marketplace, I figured we have to, we, someone has to do it. So that's, that's where I kind of jumped from PR into software. And I said, okay, let's, let's build a software platform that basically is a brand listening software for search engines. And how can we, how can we unpack the customer journey, unpack how brands are reaching customers and deliver kind of valuable insights around that? Awesome. And it's, uh, are we still running the PR agency too? 
Oh yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> <a good> name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. All right, so if there were two things you want listeners to start doing tomorrow to help with the search results, what are, what would it be? What would be the if the two things if you could boil it down to just two things? Yeah, that you had to I'd remember? say that you know the first thing, guys, is work with your work with your teammates and cross functional teams. You know, it's just not, search is not just an SEO game; it's a PR game, it's an e-commerce game, it's an SEM game. All these teams need to like get around a table and figure out how to work together. Awesome. Um, number two is you really need to identify search intent. And this is something we haven't talked about today, but search intent is the idea that, that Google has to make a determination about what, what do we want to see when we type in a keyword? Do, do we want to buy something? Do we, want to, do we want to go somewhere? Or do we want to learn about something? And once you unpack search intent, it really opens up this incredible strategic playground that all these teams can kind of contribute to. Because like I said earlier about the quartz countertops, it's like, okay, someone's looking at quartz versus granite countertops. That's a purely informational search intent. And you have to deploy PR strategies to get there. Maybe SEO strategies, but mostly PR strategies. Further down the funnel, someone's looking to buy a granite countertop. That's a totally different deployment of strategies. That's much more on the on on the on the SEO and also um, on the on the growth kind of commerce side. So you want to make sure that you're well positioned, you know, with like Home Depot or Lowe's or something. But anyways, those those are the two pieces that teams need to kind of work together on. I love it, and it's a great reason for people to reach out to dive further into that search intent conversation with you and with your organization because that's a whole nother level <laughs> oh another, another level of complexity so um let's change direction a little bit we ask all of our guests two standard questions at the end of each interview first is as a ceo and founder that makes you a target or a prospect for many many people who are trying to sell stuff and i'm always really curious to know in this world we live in where everybody is inundated in digital and we have more distractions than we can count when somebody doesn't have a trusted referral into you, somebody that you know or that you've, you've had some type of relationship with in the past, just cold. It's totally cold. What works for you when somebody's trying to capture your attention and, and earn the right to time on your calendar? Yeah. I'd say there's a certain amount of luck. No question. Um, and, <laughs> that is the first know, time to, I have heard they, that. <laughs> they have to know that I need something and I haven't told them I need it yet, you know? So there's, there's that. And then I'd say number two is just um, a personalization and understanding kind of who I am and what my pain points are. And so we're, most of the services that we're, that we're acquiring right now or onboarding are pretty high touch. And we're, you know, for instance, just the other day, um, we had a hunt hunter reach out to us that was going to say, hey, we'd like to headhunt some people for you. And I'm like, you know what? And that's actually good timing because we're looking to hire. <laughs> but they, that had was also, luck. <laughs> they had also done their, they had also done research on who we were in, in like our market sector and they were experts in it. And they also said, okay, here are three candidates that I think you would, you would be interested in talking to and here's who they are. And they followed up with the phone call. And, and I was like, this all resonates. This is perfect. Like you saved me a bunch of time. Thank you. So I love it. Well, and saving time, understanding your audience, right? There is always that aspect uh, aspect of luck. But I think if you can really understand who it is you're reaching out to and stop yeah. the automated it BS is marketing. is is huge. And coming from a PR background, that's all we do all day long is, is cold outreach, a lot of it. 
but you your your list will be much better if you if you just spend the time to make sure that you're reaching the person that actually wants to hear the message you have to say. Yeah, I love it. I love it. All right, last question. We call it our acceleration insight. You had one. Now I gave you two before, but now we're gonna just broaden it out and say in marketing, sales, PR, one piece of advice that if somebody listened to you actually believe would help them hit or exceed their targets, what would it be and why? Oh man. I would I would just say, you know, get focused on distribution. You know, put your operations ahead of your marketing. You know, make sure that your product is dialed. Make sure that you have something that is is well packaged, and then focus on reaching the right people. Um, I think that I see it all the time as an agency person that people put the marketing ahead of the product, and I and I think that's always a recipe for disaster. Love it, excellent. Well, Chris, I can't thank you enough for being on the show today. If the listeners interested in talking more about these topics, going into that search intent, which anybody listening, I highly recommend you really dive into what that means because it is crazy. Where do you want us to send them? Do you want us website, LinkedIn, um, we'll, smoke we'll, signals? Well, check out check out visibly. It's v i s a b l y dot com. We have um, a free a free tool up there. No no credit card or anything like that, like that required. You can just check it out. And I'm at I'm on LinkedIn, so it's a great place to reach me. Just Chris underscore Dicky D i c k e y, and uh, you'll see me as CEO of at visibly. Awesome man, I really appreciate you taking the time. Glad we were able to connect and do this today. All right. Well, thank you, Chad. All right, everybody. That does it for this episode. You know the drill. Check us out at b2brevexec.com. Share it with friends, family, coworkers. Let your kids listen to it or watch it because I'm not sure if we're going to use this video. It's, you know, it's screen time. But, hey, you got two good-looking dudes that they should you know, be taking a gander at and make sure that they're listening to the message. Until next time, we at Value Selling Associates wish you all nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.